All right, you heard the announcement about the uh, January 6th uh, Bible study that's coming up, the $8 book. Well, look, this is so important. We're going to pass this around, okay? We're going to pass it around. Hopefully, you can make it. Um, I would like to even, if I could, but I can't, not make it an option. Uh, because you, underst- you understand, you're going somewhere eternity. You're going to go somewhere. Uh, so this class, when I stand before God, I want to be able to have offered you every possible way to further your walk, to st- strengthen your walk, and to make sure you get where you are to be. And not only make sure you get there, but that you do while you have time here on earth, do what God wants you to do. And so this is an $8 investment, kind of, to do that. Um, Sunday nights that we've changed up, it's not a time to say, oh, good, I don't have to go to church. Oh, absolutely not. So as that goes around, please sign. In fact, our Sunday nights and our studies and our, our tests, are, are I'm going to kind of look them at them as like a, a hothouse, you know, a glass house that they would cause things to grow rapid and, and more to make you grow stronger and deeper in the things of Almighty God. Don't blow it off. One thing you cannot take back is time. You squander the time, it's gone. There's nothing else you can do. All right, so which brings me to this morning's message. Um, This morning's message is something that, uh, like I was saying, I I wish I had better vocabulary or a better way to present it or some cool props or what, but I, I just don't have... Any other idea other than just to preach the Word of Almighty God to you? To preach and expect the Spirit of God to make up the big lack and difference that I feel as I try as a pastor to come to a congregation living in this America, if it is America anymore, our our thoughts and our concepts about uh, attending church, going to church, the reality of church, the the value of church in our nation is, is falling, falling rapidly. It comes from someone who's been saved 40 plus years, which I can't even imagine I've been saved that long, pastoring over 30 some years. So I'm telling you that only to tell you I have experience. I've seen this. I've seen it. And it's it's 100% every time I see it. There's one exception to the rule. So I hope you do sit up straight. The Spirit of Almighty God give you those Holy Ghost Q-tips and that you listen. That you listen intently. All right, here we go. First one is Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation simply because I want us to even understand no room to misunderstand King James sometimes. Well, we can. It says here, at one time, all the people of the world. Now think of this. Everybody in this world spoke the same language and used the same words. How amazing is that? We were just trying to buy a car the other day. Uh, Jason ran around looking for a second car, and a couple of car lots we went to. Uh, the guy didn't even know how to speak English. I'll tell you the truth. He went, yeah. And he was trying to tell us something. What It had to do with like 1 or 2 o'clock. And he was going, yeah, 1, 1. And I'm like, Jason, let's get out of here. The guy can't even speak English. We're trying to buy an umpteen thousand dollar car. So one same word, same language. It says, as the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks, 
hardened them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous as, uh, and keep us from being scattered all over the world. And the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower of the people are building. Look, he said. Now we always look at this stuff on the bad side. I want you to look on the good side. You and I here are on a journey together. We are. If you have been placed here by the Spirit of God, God has brought you here and has made you a part of this body. I didn't. I didn't come after you. I didn't beg you. I didn't ask you. I didn't offer you a hamburger to come. It was the Spirit of God. Amen? Is there one person in here that can say, oh, no, you begged me. That's, if you say that, it's a lie. I haven't begged one person. So the Spirit of God has brought you here. So we are on this journey together. For whatever reason, God has put us together. Some of you are like night and day to me. We're so op opposite. I know that. But God has put us together. Amen? Sorry, I'm so thirsty all of a sudden. All right, good. So verse 6 says, look, he said, the people are united, and they all speak the same language. In other words, he's saying, behold, the people are one. Can you imagine if we would become one? If you and I would become united in the things of God, in the efforts of God, and the plans of God, the purpose of God, the journey of God for this church, if we would truly become one. Yes, I know, you most likely love the Lord and you want to go to heaven. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking the purpose, the journey that we're on, the reason why God brought you here. You know there's a reason, right? So he says, look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, the Lord says, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Nothing. The journey that God lays out for us and then brings this piece and that person and this joint or that whatever in, God says, there's going to be nothing impossible with you as God is our leader. This is a strong statement to the power of unity. Being one, in harmony, in one accord, in agreement with Almighty God. Acts 1.14 says, And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. That not when everything is just rosy, not when everything's wonderful, when it's 72 and sunny and no rain, when money's in your pocket and bills are paid, no, they're in one accord all the time. One accord. Because it's so powerful to be in one accord. Acts 2, 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
coming together, gathering together in one cord for one purpose in one place. Acts 2.46 says this, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. I'm telling you, Hope, you and I are on a journey together. We must accomplish that which the Lord uh, desires this church to achieve. And to do that is to be in one accord. The world uses that language thing to, to uh, make a big name for themselves. But there is power in being united in one accord and agreement, not with me, but with God. God brought you here. You've already testified to that. The church is meant to worship God and learn His Word together. That's what we want to do on Sunday night, to even turn up the heat, not turn it down. Turn it up. We're going to sit closer together. What do you think of that? What's that say to you? Because it's easy to just kind of, you know, slide back in your pew and get under and let the words go over your head. So the church is meant to worship God and learn His Word together. Yet it's even more, more to do than that. God wants to share our lives with one another. Where you might need a helping hand to put your arm around someone and, and they help you to keep going even though you suffered wounds. In one accord, concern. Acts 4.24 says, when, when trouble, trouble came, and it comes, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God! With one accord. Not, well, my life's together. I don't know what they did. No, they're bleeding and dying. Suffering, whatever the reason is. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. So now I have to say this, because this is what we do as people. Imagine, what's going on? What? Ain't nothing going on. I'm telling you what the Word of God wants for us. We have more to accomplish. And we can accomplish so much more being joined together by the Spirit of God and remembering that and not letting the enemy divide us. Well, I gotta go to do this. I gotta go work my fifth job. I gotta go buy my 20th car. I gotta look at the. You, you gotta do what God has called you to do. You understand? You're here very temporary, temporal time. I mean, how much time do you think you got here? The Bible says what? Three score and ten. You know what that means? At 70. How many of you are already over the grace of God? Uh, yeah, a good bit of you. I'm right at the finish. Here's the finish line. Here's my nose. There ain't nothing I can do to stop it. And uh, you, you that are close to my age, you can even say, that's true. Man. Where did time I can't even believe it. I swear, uh, Zach just had a baby. Now he's one. How did that, when did that happen? It, it, it just shoots by. But eternity 
you are going to spend somewhere. Verse 11 says, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Paulus, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. That's all it is, is divisions. It's like money. If you have a whole bunch of money and you throw it out there, you say, put all the ones together, fives together, as denominations. Does that sound like Church. Denomination, it separates them. What's that 20 doing with that one? Get out of there. And then you like the 20 way better than the one, don't you? Because we divide it, make denominations. New Living Translation, same verses. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters. Paul saying, I appeal to you. This is not just, you know, a casual thing. By the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. <gasps> oh, come on. You know we have quarrels. Right? Come on. Where are you? You just don't fall over tripping and gooey honey loving everybody in here. We have issues at times. They catch us blinded like a linebacker. We don't see him coming. They just do. Listen, I have spent some time behind that cross when it's up there before a service saying, they're not my enemy. They're not my enemy. I know who my enemy is. That person I'm looking at right now out there, God, is not my enemy. I do. In fact, I just did about a month ago. And it's to remind me who the enemy is. It's to bring me back and in line with the Word of God, not my silly feelings who are most unfaithful. So he says, verse 12, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow Christ. Paul says, has Christ been divided into factions? Well, we have. Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? And he goes, of course not. Look, there is such a value of the church family working together. And what I'm trying to talk about is to all that petty stuff that likes to keep us apart, you got to get ready. you got to get rid of it so we can accomplish what God wants us to do. Or we'll just kind of be nice. Church sits here on 40. And I don't want to. My nose is already touching the finish line as far as what God says. Look, Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. There is safety. You are not called to be a loner. That's a lie. Some of your na natural tendencies or characteristics lean loner. I do. Who else leans loner? Look at all you. I do. I just do. And I have to fight against that. Look at Colossians 2.2 says, that their hearts might be comforted, listen, being knit together in love. That's what God does. He wants to knit us together like you ladies that knit. All that, your hands are going so fast, I don't know what you're doing. It's knitting together in love. That's what God does. 
in my beginning days serving the Lord, I would ask Pastor Ben, how in the heck can I care about, because I wouldn't say love yet, how in the heck do I care about the people of God more than I do my own brother and sister? That doesn't make any sense to me. I was born in that household. I wrestled around my brother and my sister. We grew up together. And how do I like, that's, that's the scripture because we've been knit together by the love of God. It's a spiritual thing that their hearts might be confronted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the fullness assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. See, we don't, we don't understand the power of being knit together. We don't. Colossians 2.19 says, Not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. That's how we grow. Being knit together by the love of God. This is what it says. Nourished and knit together by the joints and, and ligaments that supplied through the body of Christ. That's how we are. But if the joints and ligaments aren't up to doing what they're called to do, we're not growing. I mean, if you have a ligament or something, I don't know what all the health thing is, and it snaps in here and your arm doesn't work, you've got to have surgery. You've got to get it back up there. You can't leave it go. It, it becomes useless. Can't do nothing. Can't get your hand above your head. Your heart, right? You've got to get that thing fixed. And so at times, I think the church needs their stuff fixed. Nothing is finer than a church running on all its cylinders. Nothing is more powerful or stronger than a church running on all its cylinders. Ephesians tells us what we were just talking about. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Every one of you that have walked into this church today is some type of joint that is supposed to supply to the furthering of God's kingdom through this church. Every one of you that walked in. Every living soul here. And you know, we've said it over and over and over. What part of your body do you want? We'll just whack it off. Which part? You don't want, you have two ears, you want to get rid of one, two eyes, a whole bunch of fingers, toes. You have two legs, let's whack one. I mean, we know that's just ridiculous, is it not? How come we can't see that in the spiritual? Which one of you now are not important? Eh, I don't care if you come. I mean, we can accomplish some things, but it would be so harder. Waiting on Jason to go through the thing with the car. I'm sitting there watching the TV in a lot, and this guy is racing this speed car around this track. And I'm watching because I'm bored. I didn't, I didn't really much care. And all of a sudden, he comes to an end. He stops. He gets out. He has no arms. He does it with his feet. We can accomplish something. How harder it is, though. How good or awesome could this dude have if he had what he was supposed to have given to him? How much more the church? In a day and age where we need our arms. So which one of you don't have to be faithful to the house of God? Which one of you could be your Pastor Jason, do without? Every service, nursery, VBS, 
Which one? It's not important enough. See, it's a lie from the enemy. Because we swallow the lie, we don't accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish, or a lot of times we give up. Ephesians 4, 16 again, but a new American standard says this, from which the whole body being fitted and held together. You understand, every joint that has walked into this place holds it together, holds us from spinning out of a part. Spirit of God puts us together that normally wouldn't be together. And he knits us with love and it holds us. And we can accomplish things for God. Being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part. Listen, causes the growth of the body. Some of you have had children that just, just didn't seem more growing properly. You took them to the doctor and tried to find out what's not, why, what's going wrong. He's got 10 toes, 10 fingers, two eyes, got everything, but he's just not. Same with us. Everything we need. I just don't think the people of God realize how important they are to the growth and to what we accomplish for God. Because you see, you are going to sit in front of God. Or stand, or bow. I don't know what you're going to do. It's like that song. I don't know what I'm going to do. But after 70, 75 years, 80 years, whatever it is, what, what am I going to tell God? Well, I had three cats. I worked at Burnham. Um, watched football. Oh, the Buckeyes. Oh, they got robbed in 2000. That's what you're going to tell God? The enemy of the church is constantly trying to keep the church out of joint. Constantly. Sometimes we finally get somebody and something happens, they're gone. Sometimes you can't replace it. You just can't. It's hard for me to believe the church is side. We don't have somebody that loves God and that can read music and that would take on the challenge of a choir. Have we had choir lately? So where's that joint? Where's that joint that just... In basketball once, all I did was crack my elbow. I didn't... I didn't think I broke it. I didn't. The next day, it was. Then the cat I was done moving, done playing, couldn't play basketball anymore. I was done for the year. Just a little crack, hairline crack. First Corinthians twelve says this: For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now, you have to remember, we already said, look, you and I are on a journey, and the Spirit of God had to bring you here because we didn't beg, plead, or ask anybody. Okay? I know churches are messed up. I know a bunch of churches. I know you have plenty of reasons not to go, to give up on churches, except for what the Bible says. 
and that creates a problem. I know there's a movement like we don't need church, I'll just do it on my own. No, you can't. No, you won't. No, you won't. I know what you'll do on your own. I've seen it. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. That's us, whether Jew or Greek. That's us. Whether slaves are free and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Thumbs and fingers and elbows and ligaments and muscles, cells, ears, hair. Even God says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Uh, through the years of various things, and sometimes you've got to take dumb medicine the more you get older and all that kind of stuff. One of the medicines I remember messed up my wife. She couldn't smell. I thought, are you kidding me? It was awful. It wasn't funny. It, wasn't not, it was awful. Totally awful. So we have all these different things we just take for granted until you lose one. Now, I brought this out a long time ago, years and years and years ago. I can't remember how long. I told you we were going to take some valuable lessons from geese. Geese. Yeah. Amen. It's true. Whoever honked. Geese. We're so smart, aren't we, Dre? People, man, we can do trigonometry. We can go to the moon. We just dropped something on the Mars. We're so intelligent, so wise. We can't learn anything from geese. Please. You've seen them flying right in their V formation. Springtime. They're probably already gone here. That's because they're so smart. You and I are still here. <laughs> right? Scraping your windshield. So science finally comes up like science thinks they know. And the geese have known this forever. I'm going to give you some facts if you kind of forgotten. Fact one, each, go each goose flaps its wings and creates an uplift. It creates an uplift for the bird that follows. Listen to this now. This is what I'm talking about being knit and joined together. You go on your own, forget it. By flying in a V formation, the whole flock adds 71% greater flying range than if each bird flew alone. We can get 71% more stuff done for God in our formation called New Hope as we go for God. As we flap, create another uplift for one there and another one and another one and another one. They go 71% further. Think of that. 71% further than the one on their own. Do you understand why the enemy has such a vicious tack to keep churches and people at each other? The last thing he wants is us to start getting this and start flapping for God. It's the last thing he wants. There'll be hordes of people come to Christ. There will be. 
So we have so much to accomplish in this body. And all you loners. Proverbs 18.1 nails you loners, and I'm a loner. So I'm nailed myself. It says this, uh, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. God says, fall in line, flap, be a friend to the other, go further for God. And you go, uh-uh. No, I don't think so. And all of a sudden, you're way back here, and they're gone. There's 71% in front of you. And you're way back here going, I'm going to do my own thing. I'll show them. I've seen it through all my years. I've seen it over and over and over. And everyone that has wears out, whether it's my church or another pastor's church, everyone that has veered out doesn't accomplish anything for God. I could name names if I had courage in my gun. <laughs> I could name them, and you would have to say, that's right. That's right. I remember. Oh, yes, that's right. Doing nothing. We'll go to their house now. Oh, pow, is it? What are you doing here? Come, you're not in church. Because they paled out somewhere or thought this was a better idea or have given up on the church. Because it's, and I know it does at times. Whosoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Listen, he breaks out against all sound wisdom. You see, because we do. We'll bump wings and whatever. We'll bump elbows and whatever it is at times. Misunderstand, misinterpret. Whatever it is that happens to us, it always happens. God has made leeways for all that stuff. It's called grace, mercy, and forgiveness. So that we can keep on for the furthering of the things of God, not yourself. So people who share a common direction and sense of unity can get much more done, quicker and easier. Because they travel on the fire of someone else. Have you ever had that experience? You ever go in a prayer meeting like, oh, Lord, you're here. Here I am. And you happen to get near somebody who's just going at it. And you start going, Jesus, glory. And you start praying like you never did before. If you permit God to do it, He does. You start. It's true. It's real. It happens. Leviticus says, Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousands to flight. So we can be a church that chases a hundred or thousands if we dare to obey God. And the geese are so smart for whatever reason, if one goes out, instantly feels the drag and the force against him. He's going honk, 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 honk. He gets back in line. And he's back in the group. And as a pastor or a leader, you feel it. You feel it. You feel whether it leaves, there's a drag on it, or it comes and you're like, oh my gosh, this is great. You can sense it and you can feel it. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's why the enemy wants to keep us apart, keep us too busy, you know, fall into the natural church, you know. Churches are closing. Churches aren't doing anything on Sunday night. Giving up on Wednesday I don't know, what, what are they going to do? Stop having Sunday morning? What else is left? 
Samuel says this, And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? And surely to defy Israel he has come up. And it shall be that the man who killed him, the, uh, the king, will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. So here's a problem. Goliath is coming up and he's spewing his defying against God and the things of God and the people of God and the Christians. And all the army that was there is huddling in fear, saying, we got this problem. What are we going to do with this problem? This guy's huge. All right. David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done? The man that killeth this Philistine and take away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done. Oh, the king will freak out. He'll bless you. He'll give you his own daughter. He'll just make you whatever. So God raises up an answer to the trembling army's fears and prayers. <laughs> and what happened? You think they would roar with pleasure. So David wants to be that guy for whatever reason. Eliab, his eldest brother, heard what he spake unto the man, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David and said, Why comest thou down hither with him? Hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thy heart, for thou art come down that thou might see the battle. So, so even when God brings his answer through the people that are crying out, that can cause division. Well, who's that person? We fall for this stuff all the time. You think they'd be going, that's right, David's right. Let's band up with David. Let's get in line. Let's go. Come on. Let's take this chump. I'm tired of his mouth. And David's going, come on. We can do it. And they're all that. who is that top, top dog geese? What's him? Who's he? Trying to keep us. From accomplishing things for God. 71% more we can do for God together. Think of that. Seventy-one. P football terms. Oh, what is yardage? Okay, you're on the goal line. You're by yourself. J-Dub's, he's the hiker, the quarterback, and the running back. And then there's the, the defense. And he's going to go, hup, boom. Right? And what's he going to do? How's he going to dodge 11 guys? He's only by himself. Then you put the group together with J-Dub. He's going to go 71% further. What's, what is that? 29. He's going to go 71 yards. Or just, J.W., I'm doing it myself. He'll be way back there. Think of that. And the enemy keeps us apart, and we kind of don't come to church very often, and we don't like this, and we blow off that, and... So as each goose flaps its wings, it creates an uplift for the bird in front or behind. In that V formation, when you see them. So they're going 71% further than they could on their own. Look, don't be a loner.
and I could be a gold medalist in loners. I can be. I can. Don't be a loner. God placed you here for a reason. Figure it out. Get a hold of God. Stop believing the lie that you're useless. What's useless on you? Should we cut off one nostril? You got two. How about one lung? What's useless on you? Let's just whack it off. If you think you're so insignificant in the realm of God. You know, it's like Ruth, when she had both shoulders done and wasn't able to do a whole lot, we'd do puzzles. And if you do a 500-piece puzzle, you got some time in that bad boy. And, and, and it's, they can get to you, but I like it. And then when you get all the way done, you got 499 done, and there's one, one puzzle, one piece. You mean to tell me I spent hours and weeks, and it's short a piece? One piece, it's ruined. Right? I mean, we got 499. Why can't you? No, it's ruined. Whether it's a corner, whether it's the middle, whether it's the flower, it's ruined. Right? True? It's the same with when we are to do what God has called us to do, and you're the one piece, and yet don't show. J.W. gets hammered again because the piece didn't show. Fact two, when a goose falls out of uh, formation, it suddenly feels the drag and resistance of flying alone. It quickly, not us, the geese, it quickly moves back into formation to take advantage of the lifting power of the bird immediately in front of it. We don't because we're too stiff-necked. The geese has got a brain size of a pea, I don't know what it is, understands and gets right back in, right back in line. I have talked to eons of people, usually the wife, hardly ever the man. Usually the wife always says, you know, when we went to church, life was nicer. Life was easier. Life was better. The answer is not the church. It's what happens in it. It's him who's over it. There's plenty of churches in town and nothing will happen. If we have as much sense as a geese, we would stay in formation. Whether you liked it or not. James 1 9 says, Wherefore, my beloved brother, let man be, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, and slow to get out of formation. Those of you who have fallen out of formation, you ain't nothing what you used to be. And if you want privacy, you can ask me afterwards. I'll say, yeah, you're, that's one. You're one I was thinking of. I mean, let's just be honest, right? We're talking about eternity. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So it's suggesting that anger can be prevented. Or, or it can fall into a, even a deeper thing called sin. But God puts a strict time limit on it. Don't let this happen. Don't let this happen. So you have to fall in love. Well, because I have a right. Or you get back in and God says, I better not. There you go again. You're going. Devil's work is to accuse and divide the family of God. 
because he does he wants us on the one yard line getting our brains beat out Jadab loves God he's trying to do his best for God and he's getting plowed because he's on his own no one wants to help So, when we sow discord between each other, or when you hang on to your discord for whatever reason, whatever, and you might have a good reason, but it's still no reason. Do you understand that? Well, I have a right. Yeah, you have a right, but you have no right. When you sow discord, you're doing, we're doing the work of the devil. All the devil wants to do is make sure we don't go 71% further than we should. He wants to keep us back here. Way back here in J-Dub's to the point of death. And he says, Adam. And he collapses. That's what happens to church people. They just collapse and burn out or worn out or beat up. Or, and then Adam goes through the same thing. Revelation 2, 5 says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. Well, I didn't do nothing wrong. If you stay angry beyond what you're supposed to, you need to repent. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. It doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter if they got you falsely arrested and you spend 10 years in jail. You've got to forget. You have to forgive them. You have to forgive them. You understand that? You've got to get back in line. And when you don't forgive, you are so far out of sight. You can't even see the group you were with. They're gone. So then you go, it's too late for me. No, it's not true. You know what the geese does? I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but when the geese, for whatever reason, falls out, he sees another one, he, he jumps up, gets into that group to catch up to his group. Geese are pretty smart. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do thy first works, or else I will come quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Candlestick is light. Light is your eternity. You could kiss off eternity when you do this stuff. You can. It doesn't say you have a right. If you are absolutely, completely, and a lot of times this happened, you were wrong, you still have no right to stay angry. You don't. It was your sins that crucified and killed God. And he had the right not to forgive you, but he chose to forgive you. And now you and I must do the same. So when you're out there, I can't stand it, Pastor. How can that pastor do that to me? Maybe I did. Oh, I got to forgive him. Sorry, Lord. And whoop, you're back in it. It's true. You have felt the resistance of being out of line. You have felt the loneliness of being out there and the bitterness of staying out there. And the unattachment. Fact three. When the lead goose tires, it rotates back in formation and another goose flies to the point of position. Like we were talking, J-Dub on his own, absolutely. But if he's not on his own, he's doing a great work and he's just... And I'm just exhausted. I'm quitting the youth ministry. I'm quitting playing songs. No, no, no. No, you don't do that. You just... 
And someone else, okay, dude, okay, oh, dude, this is great, this is great. And someone else, I gotcha. And he keeps doing it. J-Dub keeps going, because he's got all those kids he's been ministering to him behind him, watching them going. They don't want to see him going. So he rotates back, and another takes the point. It says here, lesson, it pays to help with the hard task and to share the load. True? Listen, hard task, nursery. It is. It's a hard task. Our facilities aren't great. God's blessed us with a bunch of kids. It's a hard task. So when the one's going, let him, please have mercy and get back up there and someone else say, I'll do it. Don't go too far, though. <laughs> and then they'll be going, okay, I'm ready. It works. It's the truth. We can chuckle, but you know it's true. I know it's hard. I know it. As with geese, people are independent on each other. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. To me, one of the worst things for me to ever have to do, and I've done it a few times just because of situations that arise, is it's church time, you're all here, and I have no band for whatever reason. It's dead silent like this. And I'm going, great. I mean, I just, it's something about the worship that gets us, man, it's like the geese gets up off the ground, and they're going, vroom, vroom. Without all that, I'm going, honk. What, what am I going to do? I mean, seriously, what am I going to do? I can't play. I can't sing. Oh, it's, it's horrible. The only thing worse than that was asking for help at the fair all the time. <laughs> Jess, that was horrible. We are absolutely independent on each other. It's a must. It's an absolute must. Oh, it is. Saw the uh, youth leadership go out for a uh, Christmas, Christmas party and just looked at all of them, and I was just thanking the Lord for all of them. The only reason why we have any kind of youth ministry is because of them. Uh, Jennifer and Adam would do their best, but they're going to be beat up on the goal line. I mean, it's just going to be beat up until all of a sudden there's Sarah to hand the ball to, J-Dub to hand the ball to, Stacy to hand the ball James and whoever else helps them. And they're going, I'll do it. <sighs> we go so far together. And the enemy constantly wants us to be isolated, have an attitude, say, I'm done, I've tried my best. Galatians 2, 1, 6, 2 simply says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Listen to this now, please. This reminds us of how often God is here to meet our needs through other Christians. Others. For other Christians. Again, little car story. We've, we've been to Columbus looking for cars. Zanesville. I mean, every car lot that we could think of. Uh, Fink, South Sainsville, Dutro's down there, everywhere. It's been almost three hours, 
And Jason's like, ah, I give up. I'm going, I want to go home. And all of a sudden, he scrolls on something, and he sees this real nice car. Nice, nice car, but it's in Heath, Newark. And we're sitting at the McDonald's, and we're like, and after you're not driving around for three hours looking at cars, you're like, for the love of. So I said, let's go. And up we went, and it was the one. So we, what if we didn't go? He'd still be going, one car, pizza, crying out loud, I can't find a car. What, what was Adam saying that we liked, Jace? Uh, God will supply the worms, but he won't throw them in the nest. And we were asking God, God, we need, how about a car? We need a car. So we had to go, and there it was. It was perfect. Do you understand? A number of you blew off the financial classes because your finances are good. You don't need it, or you already did it. But how many people could you have helped that you would have just happened to sit beside? And you didn't. Because you don't either you don't think you're important, or it's not important, or I've already did this, I already have, I what about the others who don't? I mean the little meetings were great. They were. And you and, and it happened to those that were there. I remember one of our saints saying, I had to raise my children, my husband died. I'd go to bed thinking, Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? But I made it. I made through. God came through for me. Telling moms with children, with no husband around, right there at the table. And they were pumped because God took care of them. They'll take care of her. What if that person didn't come and share that? That, that ache? That's just a little sitting at a table, maybe eight of us. Said, oh, I remember those days. Oh, and you can, can't you? You can remember those heartbreaking days. You don't have nothing. Your kids are just running around looking for Cheerios, and you're saying, oh, dear God, what am I going to do? And he comes through. And here we are on this side. But what about all those that are starting here and have run into walls or bad decisions or craziness? And you can sit there and pour it into them. But you've got to show up. 71% further that lady or person or family could possibly go because this one, who did go 71% further, poured it in. And that one most likely was going, this is impossible, totally impossible. I can't believe I fell into this situation and why is this happening to me? And then that person shares and the other one gets just that strength, feeds off of what she says, flaps behind her, and they get back in line. And go. And all the family that's following will benefit. Oh, my gosh. Let's go to the ones who didn't knock on their door. You're still not in church. You're still here. Okay, where's all your children now that they're grown? We're going to go visit them. See how they turned out, like, what they look like, what they're doing, what they're accomplishing for God. Galatians 6.10 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. You have opportunity. You have it. I have no idea when you're going to drop dead, but you will. You will. I will. 
Some of you think it's not soon, and it'll be more soon for me. How do you know? How do you know that? So God says, while you have opportunity, man, do it. Do it. Pour it in. Quit blowing off those opportunities. Just like the, the, the dumb car. You know, we're tired. We're done. We're done. I said, hey, let's go. Let's go take a look at it. So what is it? 25 miles up to another 50-some miles. Right after we've been Columbus. Let's go. Well, go up to him afterwards. Have him go look at his car. Look at the worm that God provided. But we had to go. John 9, 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. That root meaning of the word night means going to disappear. Your time's going to disappear. Either God's going to bring your time to an end or it's just going to stop. No more opportunities. Fact four. What time is it? I'll hurry up. When geese fly in the V formation, those in the rear of the formation honk. That's why I got a honk a while back. They honk. You ever hear them? What do you think they're doing? Get out of my way! That's what we would be doing, right? The intersection. Ah, what are you doing, man? It's my turn! <laughs> right? Honk! <laughs> Guilty laughter. That's what it is. When geese fly in formation, those in the rear of the formation honk to encourage those up front to keep it up. Yo, yes. Proverbs says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. So we need to make sure our honk is encouraging. It's a known fact, man, when groups... Look, whether when I remember being young and I had to uh, earn my way on to the full-time job at UPS back in 1970, 70, I think. And our job was they'd have those huge trailers and you had to throw those packages out without breaking them in a certain time or you were considered unfit. Then back then it was $3.45 an hour and that was top wage. It was, that was top wage. I called Ruth and started singing. Remember I told you, we're in the money. From that wage. And we got in there, and a couple of us guys, we would sing, I don't know, some stupid song. Something dumb that we would just churn that stuff out. And it was a song that cut us going, man. We were, and when I went into the military, we were a bunch of goofus. They put us in and trying to make us one unit. They made us sing. When we marched, they made us, and they would do like this. You're marching on you dumb demon. Said, what's the matter with you, alphabet? And then he'd start singing this song which I wish I could remember, but I can't. And we would just sing, even in the air, for just singing this song. And you feel invincible! As they pumped this song. And I've been in sports all my life, and you are the most sorriest sap team in the world. You can't beat yourself out of a paper bag yet. Something happens, and the crowd starts. And the crowd roars to unbelievable, and all kind of weird things starts happening to the other team. And you win! That's where the saints, any given day or any given Sunday, whatever it is, because some useless simpleton team beat the champs when 
they were 21 points underdog. Because something gets in and frozen and string stuff. Be nice if that was in church too. It would. Oh, it would. I've had words pierce through me. You might as well shoot me. Words. That's how powerful they are. Just think if we all started just honking for God, honking for the Lord, the encouragement. Like with nursery, just getting along for the Lord. Doing this for the Lord, I don't care what happens, I don't care how many potties I got to change, I'm doing it. You just start honking for God. Just start giving God the praise and the glory for whatever comes your way instead of moaning. How much greater would your marriages be? And your children. You understand when you say things to your children, it's as if you're running a spear through them. Oh, I'm I'm believing in firing them up. Oh, fire them up, but you don't use your mouth. You dumb, Joe, you're the worst thing. We're the baddest kid I have. Man, when Dad says that, he believes it. He believes it. Words. Fitly spoken. Perfectly placed is what that means. When you get a chance to honk and encourage somebody, man, honk. Let them go. New living. Timely advice is as lovely as golden apples and silver baskets. Just perfect timing. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Man, when times I would crawl into prayer meetings, and I'm telling you, and just people start gathering and praying, the roar starts, honking's going for God. I find my stuff and flap. I'm going, sort of rotating in the bags. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting too hot. Gonna get tired of all this. Maybe someone else will just. And there are certain clips that I have that I've listened to for 20 years, and I'll turn them back on, and I'll turn them up, and he'll start barking and screaming the word of encouragement, and I start going, Yeah, what else am I gonna do in my life? Go fish? I hate fishing. Seriously. I start thinking, what am I going to do? And I start going again for it and getting back in line. I, don't, I wish you could get this. Pleasant words or kindness. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Our words is a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. It's health. It's healing. Pleasant words. Pleasant words. Pastor or whoever, I'm just, I use myself as an example. I know you're going through such a difficult time, but we want you to know we love you. We're still praying for you. We were just praying for you the other day. Sometimes you got to look as a deer in the headlights. You're just going, thank you. Thank you. But you'll get it later on. I think, man, people do care. They do wonder. They are praying. Isaiah 50, verse 4 says, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. Honk! That's for all you geese that don't show up. 
you got a mother or a father just undone. Life's too bearable. Who knows how to be a dad anyway? God's got to help. And he's got all these decisions. Everyone's looking at him for an answer. And you can come along and put your wing around him and just honk in his ear. And I remember way back when. I've never seen geese fly over and they're not honking. I've never, never seen them like a Presbyterian flock of geese. <laughs> never seen it. Have you ever seen one going by <laughs> without honking? Oh, jeez. So look, honk your encouragement. No, I'm not talking about running up to Jason. I, no, there's, oh, when was the last time you told the uh, youth leaders? <laughs> no, okay, you see them go out there, you see it on Facebook, and you go, like. <laughs> oh, that helps them. What's the matter, J-Dub? I liked six, six months ago. Seriously, what's, when's the last time you went, hey, you know what? Thanks. You know, it's 5, 5.30, you're kicking around, should I go to church, shouldn't I go there? They're already here. They're already over there. I know, we kind of get in our own ruts. I understand all that. That's why I'm preaching this and coming against all this nonsense of getting too busy and I don't need to be here and I don't think I have to come. And Okay. Last one. When a goose gets sick, wounded, or shot down, whatever reason, loss of job, loss of health, wayward child, your heart's broken, you just can't go on. One wing, you're going, you're going down. The real flock, two go with them. Two go with them. They don't go, I'm going to miss out if I go to the nursery, I won't hear the mess. They go with them. And I'm not going back, they're going, Randy, it's your turn, come on, get on here. They just go. They just go. One's got shot, wounded, sick. They go down with it, and the rest goes. And they stay with it until it's either nursed to health or it dies. They stay with it. It's crazy. But that's what they, geese, who would ever thought? They stay with it until it dies or it is able to fly again. Then they launch out with another formation so they can catch up with their flock. Because God's placed you here. So you've got to catch up no matter what happens. Sometimes it's you who gets into the uh, sights of the enemy. Moving on your head and you're going, it was nice knowing you, Bruce. No, they get two go after. They go with them. They don't give up on them. So if we have the sense of geese, which I don't know if we do, we will stand by each other in difficult times. Even when you're mental and I say, Lord, I don't know what else to say to this person. And I get them. I get phone calls, so and so, so and so, such and such. And I do. I said, Lord, I've said everything. I don't know what to say. I honestly don't know what to do anymore, God. 
even when I want to keep flying. Because I'm going, I, I, I can't say. It's been 25 years. I go and say the same thing. Every other, there's nothing I can. Oh, all right, God, all right. I got to go. I got, I got to go and land and try to minister. And you should say, oh, you should. You're the pastor. No, you, you are all ministers. Aren't you all? That's what the Bible says. Aren't all of us? So if we have as much sense as geese, we will stand by each other in difficult times as well as strong times. Ecclesiastes 4 9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. I don't know what the other two geese do. Maybe they go and gather food and stuff for him, give it to him until he has strength to do his own. Maybe they huddle beside him so he stays warm. But they refuse to leave him go by himself. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Therefore, one may be overpowered by another. Two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. That's how God can use you to help others that are here. That are hurt, broken, stoved, damaged, torn. And you can come and you can help. But not if you're not here. Let's stand. Look, there's a few in here right now that I have been waiting for years years for you to get back in line seriously i'm not lying to you i was just telling jason the other day i said oh my gosh if this is true this is going to bring so much more strength to us years it's it's not like my way or the highway <laughs> i'm what i'm telling you it's god, this is what god does he tells you, do not forsake this. Don't forsake this. You'll go 71% farther than you ever would have. In fact, Adam and Jennifer could do the same thing. They could go through all their youth that have won so far, and whatever happened, mom and dad quit or they quit. Let's go see how they are. Go check them out. See what they're into. See what their life has come to. See how power they're doing for God. It's never, it's never there. It has nothing to do with new hope is the only way. No, I'm not. It's God's the only way. His way. This is it. So you have to choose. You do. And I pray that you would help this ministry go 71% further by getting in line. Get in line. I don't care if you think your beak is right, your wings are too short. I don't care. I don't just get in line and flap and see what God will do with a bunch of geese, a bunch of us, and then honk on the way. Encourage one another. You got to come. Where are you? You would have been so much help for this one person. Honk.
Father, as we get ready for this altar call, I just simply pray, Lord, that you would move by the Spirit of Almighty God. Lord, you'd even take maybe the silly antics to help them to never forget this message, Lord, and to drive it home into their lives, Lord. For eternity waits every one of us and all those that you have placed in our family by the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. In Jesus' name. Okay, we opened up this altar now. Please take a little bit of time. Speak to the Lord. Tell the Lord, give me back my wings. Give me back my lift. Give me back my power, God. Show me my place, where I belong, new hope. God's placed you here. If he's placed you here, he has a position for you, a purpose for you, people to help. Think of all the others that are counting on you that you don't even know yet. 